0: I didn't know if I was supposed to end with the word, so I was just like, had my lips closed and it was just really close to like a, yeah, like a <laughs> random noise. <laughs>
1: That's going to be the opener. <laughs> yes.
2: Yeah. I've never been put in such a vulnerable position. I'm
0: pressing hard now just to feel the ignition. My heart.
2: and gentlemen, the wait is over. Welcome back for Season 4 of Idea Lemon's Discover Your Inner Awesome Podcast. My name is Rajiv Nathan. I am the Idea Lemon co-founder and co-host of this show. Once again, I'm alongside my co-founder and co-host, Martin McGovern. This is the Discover Your Inner Awesome podcast. The show where you get to eavesdrop on conversations about the journeys, struggles, stories, but most importantly, the questions that help us better understand who we are, what we're doing, and how we can do it better. To kick off season four, we are with Jonathan Nepper, aka Dude with the Hair, as he's known through his website, dudewiththehair.com. He's an internet marketing specialist and author of an Amazon ebook. And in this episode, we talk about the concept of breaking points. Sometimes you're stretched too thin, and we sit down and answer the question how do you manage your breaking points? Before we dive into the first episode of season four, quick reminder if you do not subscribe to idea lemons emails we highly encourage you to do so over at www.idealemon.com that's where you'll be in the know with all of the episodes of this podcast as well as all the other cool stories we share that help you on your journey to develop yourself do what you love and become a leader in the things that you love all right that said let's dive into our conversation now with jonathan nepper where we talk how do you manage your breaking points
0: it's almost like that relentless grind or hustle or um, you know those kind of personality or those traits that you tie into who you are and um, for me at least this is this is one of those things.
2: So let's talk through like um, some of the I guess pretty radical life experiences you've had recently <laughs> um, and just yeah. kind of like the trajectory well I guess the narrative of what's happened and I guess the trajectory of your own, I guess, emotional state and like work habits amidst that?
0: Yeah, sure. So um, I guess the big things more recently, and, and maybe this is what you're talking about, I don't know, maybe just so you can correct me if I'm wrong, but about two weeks ago, uh, so at the beginning of February, based on when this airs, um, I was booked for a launch date, you know, releasing my 1st uh, ebook, which is a pretty cool experience, I was really excited about for it. Um, but it just so turns out that my daughter wanted to launch that day too. So, um, <laughs> so, so what do you know, but here I was like leading up to, uh, you know, being in the hospital for a few days before and a few days after, obviously like cranking away on a keyboard in the middle of the night when pe- when my wife was asleep and, and, and things like that. And then also working to be at a point where I can, you know, be involved with, the uh, uh, the delivery and stuff. Cause that work life balance is really a big part of it for me. So that's the most, that's the most recent kind of thing, but, this has been part of my trajectory I think for, for a really long time and one of the things I can look back to and what's really shaped I guess a lot of my life was um, when I was a teenager in high school, I played a paintball competitively. As a result, I got to travel all around the country with my friends and um, you know, that was one of those things that you push really hard to make that happen, right? I went to school, I was in high school. I um, traveled every weekend about two hours each way to practice. Every month or every other month was jumping on a plane for a week to go to some really badass places. Um, and then between that it was working garbage jobs to make sure I had bread for those plane tickets. Um, so it's you know one of those things where I feel like I've constantly and continuously kind of been burning that candle at both ends and it's allowed me to maybe turbocharge um, my learning, my experiences in life, just making sure that I'm getting the most out of it and uh, I guess you know what you call, what you said though is as far as emotional state is concerned, is that's maybe the biggest thing being concerned about. and um, I don't know, I guess it's one of those things that maybe, just like with anything else, right? People want like the online kind of lifestyle. So, like, think of like your Facebook like all-star feed of like these best moments and things like that. So, there's certainly a toll that it could take on on you, but I think that it's something that's manageable. And I'm um, kind of the theme of this goes along of, you know, you can stretch your breaking points, and I feel like I've been doing that for a long time.
1: Yeah, Anybody I mean. Could. The, especially with those online images, I mean, they just released the twenty sixteen stat or twenty fifteen stats of people who died taking selfies. What? <laughs> more That's people? Real? Yeah, more people die taking selfies than shark attacks. But then again, everything is more deadly than a shark attack. So, <laughs> walking
2: outside is more deadly than a shark attack. Mm-hmm. What makes this strangely like a timely conversation for me is right before we got on this call, like an hour or so ago. Uh, one of our friends emailed me and she was just forwarding me something she had just read which was someone's newsletter um, basically promoting the idea and selling a class on um, this idea of like you don't have to be stressed out all the time like you can build a business and um, have a leisure life that kind of thing I mean I, I looked into it more and the course is totally like valid it's basically about how to create systems that automate things for you so you're not always working in the weeds of your business. But four-hour work week. (laughs) Yeah, you know, essentially just like a mini course on something like that. But uh my initial reaction to it, which I wrote back to her, was um this idea of like work when you want, uh and this that like the quote unquote like lifestyle entrepreneur movement of like I only work three hours a day and I make six figures, et cetera, et cetera. Like that's something like that message is being heavily promoted right now. And, you know, at one point, I know I did. I don't know if you did too, Martin, but like I bought it hook, line, and sinker. But then it, you start to see very quickly, and then here's my view on it now, is if you're getting into... Something if you're if you're starting to do work for the sake of not working,
1: if your motivation yeah. is to work less, then you're not going to
2: last very long. You're not
1: going to get to the point where you can work less if your motivation is to work less. Yeah,
2: and what I, yeah exactly, and what I was saying was like
1: that, that exact thing,
2: right? If you're mo if you're going into it with a mindset of I'm doing this so I don't have to work anymore, so I can only work three hours a day, you're gonna first off. You need to be able to get to that point. To be, able, to be able to get to that point, you need to work a lot. Relentlessly. Work, yeah, yeah, work relentlessly to get to the point of only having a, quote, unquote, three-hour workday, four-hour work week, whatever you want to call it. But the thing is, if you work a lot to get to that point, you're not going to get to that point and be like, all right, mic drop. I'm only <laughs> on here for two hours sitting. Like yeah. You're going to want to do more things because – now you have At the ability
1: point, and the money to do the actual right. ideas you want to, and if you accomplish. made
2: it to that point, you care enough to get to that point. So anyone who's going in with like, "No, I'm just doing this so I don't have to work anymore," it's like you're never going to care enough to get to that point. And once the work starts getting to be pretty intense, you're going to be like, "Oh, this is more than I bargained for. I'm
1: done." And you're going to delay the ability to actually get a comfortable job where you don't right. have to work a lot. <laughs> yeah, There's I think of nice I, jobs out there.
0: The other thing, too, is I guess it just really takes a certain kind of person, right? You know, that kind of person who is not going to stop working for one reason or another. And work changes over time, right? You find success in one area, you shift to something else. You evaluate your role within whatever it is that you built successfully and scale yourself up, out, over, you know, all different kinds of ways. So I think um, it's – what's his name? Noah uh, Kagan, who has like AppSumo and all that kind of jazz, uh, talked about, you know, putting in your five years for your million. Kind of thing. And um, I don't know if that's necessarily the case for everyone where five years translates to a million, but it's a really great point. You really have to bust your balls for a long amount of time. And, um, you know, it's really putting in that work before you could ever even get to that point of uh, having the process, the, having the audience, having the automation, having um, the, those various things that tie into, you know, what you said, that aspiring four hour work week life. Yeah. And I was,
1: I was watching one of, um... Casey Neesat's vlogs yesterday while suffering from insomnia and uh, he, uh, he got asked uh, a question um, which is what was the happiest time in your life um, so far and he, he goes you know most of the time we look back and we're able to pick out happy moments because we're like oh yeah in retrospect I was really happy back then but when you're in that moment it was like really crazy really stressful and like all this you know, craziness going on and he goes, so I, I'm going to try and answer this a little differently, and I'm going to say right now is probably the happiest that I've ever been because so much is happening and, like, he only sleeps, like, four hours a night. He did this whole vlog about his, like, schedule and stuff. Um, and he's like, the reason that I never sleep and the reason I don't have any downtime. Like, someone says, what do you do in your downtime? He says, I don't. <laughs> uh, <laughs> And, like, the reason he's, he's doing this right now is because he knows that right now is the crux of everything. Like, it's not sustainable what he's doing where he's vlogging every single day and he's not sleeping and he's starting a business and all this crazy stuff all together. He knows it's not sustainable. He know it won't last forever. But when he looks back in five years, he's going to be like, that was the time that everything came together. And I'm glad that I sacrificed whatever I needed to in order to get it done. And I think that's really interesting because he's gonna push that to its breaking point in order to accomplish what he needs to accomplish so that later on when he looks back and says, Alright, now my life has calmed down a little bit. I'm still working on cool things I love and that, that got me to the next level. Because sure. he didn't he didn't sit there going, Oh well, you know, I could vlog every day, but meh, nah, I wanna I wanna just like hang out and, you know, enjoy I don't know, whatever the hell he would do otherwise like not videotape himself snowboarding Snow through New York, or something. <laughs> and so whatever whatever he would do opposite of that, and so like he, instead he's kicking everything up a notch in order to get to a better point, where that not to a point where he stops, but to a point where he's able to relax a little and focus more. I guess.
0: Yeah. So I think that there's you know that comes into a couple different things there, right? So you're thinking about this sprint mentality where you really have to push hard uh, during a particular time. Um, what I what where my brain goes to since i I do like internet marketing stuff and I'm kind of an, an analytics nerd and all that jazz um, is you think about it this way right you have this baseline you're at whatever your baseline is four you push through this sprint of, of wildness and at that peak like you're up to like an eight right now and I don't mean like your work level I mean like grinding all, all gears your stuff is like Jive and hardcore, like this is a legit project you're working on, and it's br- providing value. So then you come off of that sprint, and your new baseline should be higher than that original one. Maybe it's a six, you know. And then each time those sprints, hopefully, um, move your baseline up higher and higher and higher. So that's one of the things I, I try to think about, I guess, through this because you know you can't be forever pushing six hundred percent. It just isn't. Uh, it isn't sustainable, you know.
2: Yeah, I, yeah, I, I really like that concept of like the increasing baselines. Um, and it's something we were just talking about the other day is, you know, we look at the big picture and we're like, I want that and I want it tomorrow, <laughs> but, mm-hmm. but like, you're not, you, you can't go from zero to a hundred, right? You gotta get from to 10 and then 20 and all that stuff. And, and what that teaches you is, as you said, like you, you, your reset level is now increased.
0: So residual gains that come as a result of that sprint, that should at least be your hope, right? I mean, no one's trying to, at least, I I don't know, I'm not. I I hope that I'm putting an effort in a lot of different areas, all of which is is providing some kind of uh, residual gain. Maybe that's education, Um, could it be income, could it be happiness, whatever it is. um, I'm hoping that my baseline is always higher as a result of something. So with that ebook that I launched. It wasn't just about that, but I wanted to test some launch principles. There was a few things playing in, into that that were me killing a few birds with one stone. I think that that's part of it too. When you start, when you get really surgical and precise with what it is that you're doing, um, and you know passions involved behind it as well, you start to find ways like, well, how could I, how could I double, triple, quadruple dip on this thing that I'm doing? And you know, an, another project that I'm diving into now. I guess like an idiot because things really haven't cooled down. Is um, <laughs> your daughter's only like two <laughs> weeks old at this point? <laughs> well, two weeks old, man. Two weeks is two weeks, right? That's that's a, that's a lifetime for her. So you know, but this next thing that I'm working on is I'm giving myself 90 days and a few hundred bucks to try and validate a physical product. Um, so it's like talk about trying to push hard and you know talk about my baseline, right? My baseline right now is zero. In 90 days, if I could bring that baseline to 50, 100, 250 subscribers, and that's pretty legit. Um, you know and, and that's kind of that move I guess is that um, you know that ties into that, and also I guess not trying to slow down ever because <laughs> if I really wanted to, I could probably wait a year or, or keep pushing it off, and maybe that's you know part of this as well is um, having that um, that willpower I guess or uh, you know keeping yourself really consistent across the board you know focused on that big picture, but um, working through each of those little sprints um, the one thing that th- that really reminded me of though, especially as you're talking about um, you're working through these intense spurts, and sometimes they aren't, you know, the, the most enjoyable. Or there's a lot of things going on. Um, another na- analogy that like just like popped into my head immediately is it's like almost like pledging a fraternity, right? Where it's like in the moment, like it, it could really suck. Like I, I don't know what you're doing, but it's like you're doing push-ups in the rain, like on your hands, like I don't know, in front of a bunch of girls or something, whatever I think it is. the PG version <laughs> of rushing. <a> fraternity. <laughs> that's, that's the total PG version of it. But you know you're rushing and that's what happens, right? and then in the moment, it really sucks. that cold shower sucks. but like the next day you're talking with your boys, you're talking with your circle, your friends like you know and the same thing could translate to your your co-founder or you know your business circle, whoever it is, and you' and you're reliving this, you're rehashing this moment, and it doesn't suck anymore, but it's fun and it's almost like a badge of like you know like accomplishment and you can laugh about it. I mean sometimes <laughs> raising kids could be the same way, and I guess the uh, this could kind of get you locked up, I guess, to talk about like pledging attorney <laughs> and child rearing is the same thing. Um, but you know, sometimes there's those moments and it's not all, it's not, not all roses and, and buttercups, but in the middle of the night, like, you know, you got like blowout city in a diaper with poop going all exploding over the place. And that sucks. Like, I don't care who you are. It's like three o'clock in the morning and you're sleep deprived. That sucks. But the day after it's like, Oh man, like this happened and like yada, 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 you know, and it's, it's not so negative anymore. And maybe that's a mentality thing but. um I think that that's part of uh, a big part of this as well
1: and you've got a straight to vhs movie on on the way when a baby goes to college and joins a frat (laughs) (laughs) baby's day out was in fact a
2: full screen full big screen theater movie in like 1994 (laughs) Um, well so this whole concept of I, i like how you phrase it the residual gains it really does come into play, and it's not something you can necessarily foresee at the start. I mean, like just going through our history, right, like we, the first time we ever taught a workshop on personal branding, it was like, is anyone gonna sign up for this? Mm-hmm. And you know, mm-hmm. and when people sign up, it's like the greatest thing in the world. Four years later, you know, we teach these sometimes a couple times a month, or usually a couple times a month, and it's just like, I don't wanna say we take it for granted, but your expectations change. Right? Like, you don't yeah. go into each
0: one with, like, the same, like, Work. oh, man, I hope people <laughs> sign up. I hope four people sign up, like, the first, like, pilot that we ran four years ago, you know? Yeah, exactly.
2: And now yeah. and now it's just, like, no, it's, like, because, you know, you've built up a certain knowledge base, you know, you've built up a certain amount of credibility and all that stuff, it's a given that people are going to sign up for something like that. And on top of that, I mean, at least in our case and in most people's cases, you start doing other things as well to where it's, like, it's um, – the workshop is just one thing that's part of this larger machine that's going mm-hmm. on, you know, like we've got the workshop, we've got our online class. Um, mm. We've got managing the students in the classes and all that stuff. So it's just like, and then like any of the, the content we create and the podcast, all these things, right, they're all coming together. But you start to think less and less about like the, I guess, the severity of each little thing you do decreases the more you start to do
0: it. Mm-hmm. So in that kind of in that kind of regard, you know, do you? I, I guess sometimes you, you end up missing those gains, those wins that you have as a result of um, maybe not realizing the three months that go into it. You know, it's like maybe losing weight or something like that. You, you you lose a little bit of weight over the course of three or six months, and maybe you don't really realize it because it wasn't just a dramatic kind of overnight stretch. And I think there's something to be said for trying to to catch those wins as well. You know, almost like you mentioned where you start to maybe take some of them for granted or, or don't really mention them as much.
2: Yeah, and I think and I think it is because your your baseline cha- or however you phrase it was it your um, was it your baseline or your something yeah yeah your baseline, so, yeah, baseline your baseline starts to just increase as a result like you know like last week we like plowed through the week and by the end of it, we were like you know we were like quoted in three different articles on themuse.com dot this week and we didn't even like yeah, realize, didn't realize it, it. <laughs> <laughs> where if this this was four years ago that would have been, been, the, been the biggest deal in the world yeah. and it's not to say we're not grateful because we are but it's like. There's so sure. many other things going on that you're not focused on every little thing that's happening, and, and we did stop to be like, "Oh, that's pretty cool that that happened," but it's also like, no, like that should be happening because we've been putting in a lot of work yeah. you know, around this business. Yeah,
1: and well, and that's also diversifying the things that you do, right? Like, if you have just one thing you're working on and it isn't correct, like it's not fulfilling a c- customer need, or you know something happens and you're not able to do it for a while. Like, then everything shuts down. But if you've got two or three things that work, kind of, they all help each other, but they're all separate things. Um, Mm -hmm. They're they're kind of running on their own. And when one slows down, another picks up. And, Mm -hmm. like, I feel like that's really important to keep the momentum going. Because if you've only got one thing and you hit a lull, like, let's say all we had was this podcast. And we said, all right, now we're going to take a break between seasons. If there was nothing else to fill that break... (laughs) then we would lose momentum and probably never come back to it. Sure. And, like, you think about people who have jobs, right? If you quit your job or you lose your job and you have nothing else going on, then you're going to hit a lull, you're going to lose momentum, and that's how people get stuck in six, 12, you know, year-and-a-half-long stints of not working because they don't have something to ramp up once they're ramping down, right? And so I feel like it's important to have to kind of push yourself constantly to be doing lots of different things so that if any one thing stops or slows, you can just transfer that energy to something else that's important.
0: Yeah, and it's almost like, you know, I think for being a creative being, you almost have to do it for that regard. It's very easy, at least for me. Um, I switch a lot of things. If I gave you the laundry list of my marketing slash whatever PR whatever career, it's just a laundry list of doing different things. and. Some of that is you know, me wanting to learn and, and, and figure out a lot of stuff because I think that there's a bigger picture to be made besides a single channel, but part of it comes down to just you have to almost ride that rush of creativity sometimes, and something might burn you out within the whole. Um, so it's those kind of instances where maybe you shift your attention to something else, and that's what's really hot for you in your brain, and you can get more done in that two or four-week period or, or however long uh, than you would have if you would have just been grinding away at the thing that maybe... You're not so into right there, just because you have to make some headway. It's like being on the floor at like Circuit City because you're getting paid ten dollars an hour, as opposed to like running your own thing. It's not just about hours or or feeling busy. It's about accomplishment and, and, and getting things done.
2: I wonder at what point a Circuit City reference will be outdated. <sighs> I hope I hope never. Right? Because
0: I, <laughs> last time I bought my my uh, my Nintendo sixty four games, they were. <laughs> 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 and, and I don't want to live in a world that I can't talk about Diddy Kong Racing or Super Smash Brothers. Well, I just
2: I just spoke in front of some high schoolers a few days ago uh, at this like entrepreneurship event they were part of, and I was like going through their emails afterwards to add them to our email list, and like some of them had like 1998 in their email address, and I'm like, oh <laughs> man, we've hit that point in our life. <laughs> now our audience is starting to be nice, so like Circuit City reference is going to be lost on them. <laughs> All you high schoolers listening, Circuit City was like Best Buy. And then for anyone listening 10 years from now, you're not going to know what Best Buy
0: is. None of that. It's like Amazon's electronics uh, section.
2: <laughs> you know how Amazon is opening electronics stores? Yeah. It's like what that was before Amazon had the store. Um, one of the things I do want to, I guess, point out, though, so I agree with what you said, Martin, about like uh, if you, you need to have something else to ramp up with. Totally agree. At the same time, Another point you made is you like you gotta constantly be like doing lots of different things. Uh, one of the things we've been focusing on over the past couple months is mastery, which is a concept I hadn't really thought about until the last few months and was happy to constantly be jack of all trades and dabbling in everything. But with this idea of ramp up as you're ramping down, what that means is whatever you're ramping up with is also like feeding the same machine or you know putting fuel into the same machine um, and is, is is helping you go in the direction you want to go in because what we've figured out here with this or not figured out but what we've been focusing on with this mastery stuff is if you don't really dive deep into something then you'll never get really good at anything you'll 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 be you'll know that a lot you can do a lot of different things but you'll be like surface level in all of them so like I used to, I, I never thought like that before. And I used to be okay being like, no, like I can do everything, right? But it makes you. Um, there's, I think it makes you less valuable as a person. Well, yeah,
1: but that's why I qualified by saying things that are feeding into each other, and I and so like right now we have the podcast. That's not our main thing. We're we're that's a, a subset of what we're doing to reach our big goal. And so the main thing is the online course, the podcast supplements that, the blog supplements that, and when the course, you know, dies down a little bit and we go into a sales cycle or in between sales cycles, then we ramp up on the podcast. Like, we have our main things that yeah. we do moving forward. So you have you do have to pick your main things. I don't think it should be, you know, um, I'm interested in 15 different things and I'm going to constantly do all of them all at the same time. Yeah. It's what are the the probably three, but what are what are the ones that really feed the business the most and uh, and as you're kind of going in and out of them, uh, all accomplish the same goal. So yeah, definitely agree with you on that.
0: Well, I guess part of it's also how you frame it, right? So for me, I have projects that I'm working on, and even that ebook being one of them, and I frame it more as an experiment in my mind, right? So my goals and my wins and my gains just aren't monetary. But it's education, it's other areas like that. And I think one of the biggest things is, so I I have a real problem with mastery. You know, I've I've dabbled in a lot of things and I have a lot of slashes when you talk about my titles and that kind of stuff. I think my biggest fear and concern with it is just, um, one, people getting in, you know, analysis paralysis where they're just reviewing and reviewing and reviewing. And that kind of ties into the next thing, which is really making sure that you're taking action while you're while you're learning because let's face it imposter syndrome is real and people never feel like they're a master and if you're not putting lines clear lines in the sand you can forever be working towards mastery whatever that is because you don't have a definitive line and for me at least i found that that dabbling in various um areas kind of helps me with that mastery and honestly i'm able to make some of those connections that probably wouldn't have been made i mean shit dude like who would have thought that paintball at fifteen or sixteen years old would have taught me about online communities and would have taught me about selling stuff online before people even used PayPal. I was waiting for fucking money orders because I had better feedback than people. Where you're like, "Oh, you want to buy this like you know eight hundred dollar paintball gun?" Well, I have five pages of feedback in this forum. How about you, guy? Two pages? Nah, son. Like you're sending the money order first because I, I got it to back me up. You know, it's hard to make those kind of connections, but sometimes um, that dabbling or experimenting. Or however you need to frame it for yourself, sometimes that could help with that. And I totally agree that having a focus is necessary, but it's often easy to get lost in you know, that mastery race where it's like, I- I'm never a master. I'm never good enough, you know, et cetera, et cetera. I don't have clear defined lines for what that means. And in the meantime, uh, my to-dos are going to be to make a list of how I can do to-dos, and then I'm going to feel really good because that was my to-do and it's done i to
1: do to buy a to do journal, uh. <laughs> that, and that's my
0: to do for the day. And if I get
1: that done, and tomorrow then my to do will be
0: to I mean, look at the the shipping <laughs> stats to make sure that it's shipped, um, and, and that's you know a step in the right direction, right? <laughs> but what do you
1: do to draw those lines of mastery? Because I I feel like one point of pursuing mastery is knowing that there's no end, and so. Uh, that's like kind that's, of the, that's right
2: it's, it's a knowledge based. Yeah, and right? that,
1: and so like that's if that's the baseline you go with, then how do you you said you draw those lines of you know lines in the sand where you know you've hit certain uh, markers? How do you kind of come up with those markers?
0: Yeah, and that's a great question. I mean, sometimes it's it's a, that's a, a line, and it's not going to be the same for everyone and for every project, right? Like one of my big fears is. Um, almost the downside of trying to be too productive where you set up to-dos for yourself and you beat yourself up because they're like, oh, well, I want to make a real huge to-do list because then if I get 80% of it done, then I know that's more than if I would only set up half and I would have got 50% done. But I still am pissed because I didn't get 20% done. You know? So it's kind of, uh, if you can follow that and, and whoever's listening, hit that, like, go back 15 or 30 seconds and, and re-listen to that gibberish round. But um, <laughs> I think one of the things to, to really try and figure out is you know, dive in deep. What are those markers for you? Sometimes it's going to be like, we're talking about like web numbers and things like that. Well, maybe for you to hit that line in the sand, it's a thousand subscribers or some arbitrary number. Um, perhaps it's the ability to, um, if when it's a knowledge-based thing, perhaps it's the ability to to teach or train someone. And I don't mean something as formal as teaching at a school, but perhaps you're involved in a, a online forum or community and you reach out to your peers and say, Hey, um, I think I could teach people on blank. What if I ran a workshop in here? Or what if I just did a simple AMA? Like there are various like s- steps that you can take to, to try and hit that line uh, for yourself. I think one of the things that really helped me, and, and this is another challenge too, right? Is you want stuff to be really super and perfect before you ship it. Um, and, and that's, you know, ties into this as well. And one of the best things I think I ever did And the biggest, like, learning takeaways was for a while I was building affiliate sites between burning myself out from working at an agency and, um, you know, deciding where I was going to go next. Because before burning myself out at an agency, I was managing a tech news blog, uh, pumping out, you know, 50 or 60 articles a week with six writers on staff. So, like, I was burnt out. I started building affiliate sites. The best thing out of that that came, though, was I was pumping out stuff that wasn't complete. And since my name wasn't associated to it, because it was just, like, insert keyword dot com like kind of thing um, it, it allowed me to ship stuff that maybe I never uh, otherwise would have. And I'm not telling people to ship incomplete stuff, but you know, the first iteration of anything that you ever do is just not going to be the perfect thing. And that's the reality of it, right? How many times do you look into like a web design thing that it's like, all right, we're going to design our perfect site out of the gate. Well, no, you're not. You're going to design what you think is perfect. You're going to test it for users, and you're going to find out that no one's making it halfway down your page, and that's where something really important is. Or people just don't understand your buttons or what have you. So there's, there is that iteration. Um, Sorry, I'm getting a little off topic because you were talking about, because <laughs> we got into something else, so.
1: <laughs> no, it's awesome.
2: Um, did you have a point? Well, to the point of like, what we came, well, that stem term was the idea of the mastery thing. Um, sure. And I, and I agree with what you're saying to the effect of, like, I don't, I don't mean to say mastery means you give up every other creative pursuit. What it more means is if you're focused on mastery of skill or a particular set of skills you'll do everything in the name of that uh, yeah. of developing those skills so like in your case you kind of struck you know perhaps by serendipitously you kind of struck gold with the, with the paintball thing but then you figured out from that like oh online communities are a thing what else can I be doing in the online space and now let me use that as my jump off point to test other things i can be doing in the online space right
0: yeah and i think that it's kind of that part of it's just coming in with eyes wide open too right because it could have very easily just left it paintball or you know i think that there's a lot of spillover as part of what i'm getting at as well mm-hmm. and this boils back to that other thing where i said if you want to be relentlessly doing stuff and pushing yourself um part of that comes down to making sure that you're using your time very efficiently so i'm generally trying to kill two or three birds with any given stone whatever that is a launch a project um learning for myself you know, whatever it is. It's Usually, a few kind of things that you're trying to accomplish at once, and um, as a result, it's it's one of those things that it could really help you accomplish a lot more in a lot of ways. So you can find those wins in a few areas um, and really help to to move yourself positively towards that mastery or towards whatever it is that you've set that line in the sand. You know,
1: absolutely. And so I kind of want to get closer to the question now. What Mm -hmm. are some of the times that each of us have reached a breaking point and? Kind of, how did we manage our way through it um, and get out on the other side? Uh, both with learnings, but also with uh, learnings of things to do next and learnings of things never to do again. Yeah.
0: So I have a never to do that comes top of mind, and I feel like sometimes there, there, you know, when you push really hard, you, you're, you can fail right? You can succeed more too, but you can fail more because it's almost like playing online poker where you see a hundred hands in an hour as opposed to sitting at a table where you see 12 in real life. So you're, you're exposing yourself to that more. But one of the times it was a, a real big failure for me was I was doing some consulting work and, um, working for a client that was especially stodgy. And, um, you know, it was one of those situations where, uh, things were just maybe going downhill a little bit. <laughs> um, for them, for our relationship, because they wanted me to work full time, and I just, I just wanted to be a consultant, and um, I pushed myself, and I had one of those breaking points, i.e., a deadline for a really big deliverable, a trip to a certain place, etc. And I pushed so hard leading up to it, and it was one of those times where it just wasn't hard enough, and I don't know if that was, you know, and I feel like those instances are fewer and far between than the amount of success that I have, and I don't want to sound like a, a turd, but. I feel like that's the case. I um, mean, sometimes those failures kind of call out areas that it's like, here's a red flag that you need to look at it. And looking back, it was kind of one of those things where the project didn't get complete, um, the, the, you know, not to the best of my ability, not to the best um, that it should have been for the event. As a result, um, you know, we, the plan for that day, which was to, to do this kind of presentation thing, didn't work out exactly as planned. And I could look back at that and almost see that as a marker of one of those instances where I pushed myself really hard, it didn't work out. Is it a good thing that it didn't work out in that case? I would say so. And I think in those instances where it hasn't worked out for me, it's generally been that bucket where it hasn't worked out because, you know, there is something else. Not It hasn't worked out because it's what I absolutely love to do because then, like you said before, right, you're kind of relentless in finding that, um, finding out how to get to that solution completion um, or at least, like, you know, the next level, the, the save point, if you will, within it. So
1: Yeah, there's that whole quote of, like, uh, if... Uh the only way that an entrepreneur fails is if they give up. Because if they don't give up, they'll just find more and more ways to make it work. Um, it might not look the same, and it might not even be the same idea. But they will—they will find a way to make it work, and therefore none of the past stuff is failure. It's just steps along the process to coming to a solution. How does that sure.
2: play into the the Mr. Wonderful from Shark Tank idea? If you need to take this out back and shoot it.
1: <laughs> um, I think the idea of taking it out back and shooting it still applies if you notice... So, like, we've noticed ideas didn't work and we've killed them. Yeah. But that doesn't mean we kill the entire thing. It means we go find a better thing to solve or it means that we adjust that in a way that people actually want it. Mm-hmm. And so what happens with the Mr. Wonderful on Shark Tank is people say, no, these socks are the greatest socks and I'm going to make these socks no matter what. And he's like... All right, well, then you're not going to succeed. Versus no one wants these socks. Well, what was the core idea behind the socks? Maybe they want something else. Okay.
2: All right, that makes sense. Um, To the question of our own breaking points. Yes. Can we define breaking points? Because I'm struggling to come up with something myself.
1: So for me, a breaking point um, is a time when you had to shut something down because you pushed too far. So like... Um, if you've hit a breaking point, it means that you weren't managing everything leading up to it correctly, and you had to completely start over. So let's—I'll give my example, and maybe that'll help. Um, back when I had a full-time job, a four-hour commute, um, a side business called Smart Owl, and was trying to start up Idea Lemon all at the same time. I was not sleeping at all. I was living off five-hour energies and like it was stuff that I like the smart all thing was I knew it was on its way out, but I was still holding on to it. And because I wouldn't let go of it because it was the first thing I'd ever created by myself after college, I allowed myself to get to a breaking point where I had to shut down a bunch of things in order to do it, in or in order to move past it. Yeah. And so I would say that a similar thing happened uh, in April of this past year where there were a lot of things going on and I would say I have too many things happening all at once that are unrelated to each other, completely unrelated. So it's not like they're feeding into each other like we were talking about earlier. It's like this thing is completely siloed from this thing, that's completely siloed from this thing, and because I've spread myself so thin across so many unrelated topics and ideas and all of them are demanding more time, I have to end things. And so that was a breaking point where I had to end a bunch of things. Mm -hmm. And so if you take a look at that, um, the way to avoid breaking points for myself or the way to manage and, and make my breaking points more elastic would be to only get involved in things if they relate to each other. So everything we do with this business relates to itself and all the research I'm doing outside of this business relates back. So even my improv on the weekends... Isn't its own silo because I bring the ideas back to what we do here, and so I'm not going to hit a breaking point one day where I have to choose between what we're doing here and the improv classes because they feed into each other. Yeah,
0: that's like the thing of the concept of you know spillover benefits and also spillover costs. One hundred
1: percent. Okay. So with that in mind,
2: so I don't know if I've ever had a point of like, oh my god, this is all so overwhelming. It's more been like I've stopped things because I'm like either the circumstances around me didn't make sense anymore I don't know if that still qualifies or what but like for example in college um so I was obviously a student <laughs> but my senior year I did the honors marketing program which was like you know however many extra hours of class every week plus I was a design minor which was already longer classes so I had I can't remember what the standard hours of, was it like 12 hours is normal for college at DePaul? I have no idea. If, if, like, if like 12 is what you usually pushing. take, I was at like 20 hours mm-hmm. in a week, let's say. Which is funny because like that's nothing now. Yeah. But it was college, right? <laughs> but then no, there's also the homework that goes with it, so you know, it takes longer. So I had that plus running the undergraduate marketing club at DePaul, plus doing radio DePaul, doing a weekly two-hour sports show and commentating the basketball games, and um, and creating the schedules for the other commentators, which wasn't a whole lot of work, but something else there. So radio, so academics, radio, the undergrad marketing club, plus I was, uh, I may have had a part-time internship at the time as well, and I wrote for a sports website. Now, I cut out the sports website when I got to a point of like, I can't deal with the the nature of what I'm involved in anymore. It wasn't necessarily like I don't have the time to write an article, so I can't do this. It was no one else on this team is holding up their end of the bargain, and the guy who's telling me, "Hey, go cover this event," like I can't even rely on him to get my article up when it's done. So sure. why do I need to be part of this anymore? And mm-hmm. I was like, respectfully, I'm done with this.
0: Yeah, now, and I think I'm oh, sorry. No, um, go ahead, go ahead, John. I was just going to say, and I think there's a few different ways to qualify breaking points, right? And some of that's emotional breaking points too. And I don't know, <clears throat> I don't know what it is. So maybe it's my personality. Uh, maybe it's also that I've been doing this shit for a really long time, and it's kind of hard to think back about, you know, <laughs> the the breaking points that I've had because I just kind of keep moving on. I don't really dwell on that stuff. But um, I think there's a lot of different ways to, to qualify, you know, what it is that that really means a breaking point. I guess um, is. Yeah.
2: Yeah, I, I guess that, that what you said there is I didn't thought about that, the emotional breaking point. That's what it was. It was, guys, like, can we get our shit together? No. Like, how many times do I have to, how are we going to say, hey, this is our goal and then not hit the goal and, you know, not put an article up or say, hey, we're going to go be at this event. And then, wait, no, you get there and there's no media pass for you. Like, it was, I guess it was getting rid of the emotional stress of that is what I, is what I released myself of. Mm-hmm.
0: And sometimes that could be the really the biggest weight and, the, you know, the unsung hero, the, the elephant in the room where you don't really, emo- you know, where you don't really realize those emotions and, and how they can be tearing you down. Um, and I think that that's part of it, too. And while people go as extreme as, like, the first place you go to when you think about an emotional breaking point is, like, some, like, crazy breakdown, right? Where, like, I haven't been able to leave my room and it's totally dark and, like, I'm just listening to, like you know, insert like some kind of garbage music here. I'm listening. listening, (laughs) Better than Whoa, 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 whoa. No, I'm just kidding. But I'm listening (laughs) to Nickelback. Um, (laughs) We have some friends who would love that. (laughs) (laughs) No, but like that's where you could really go with it. But it it doesn't always necessarily have to be that. It might just be your shit quota is really high like it was in your case. Or you notice that something is just – not providing that positive return she and right really we're not just like talking that. about the main benefit but those spillover benefits yeah. that's like if you went to um, if you're going to your improv improv classes and while that relates back to idealism and it's there's some benefit there and i absolutely agree with you that's one thing on my to-do list that i'd love to get into but if you just absolutely hated it or hated your class or or, or whatever there would be that breaking point yeah. of, of bullshit for you that it's like well this is helping me in my business and maybe a couple other things too like Maybe you're better with like uh, I don't know like in in social situations or something as a result or whatever, but like still you'd hate the main activate you'd hate that kind of thing, and eventually you'd hit that point and you'd just be done with it you know
1: you've gotten your max value and you need to move on yeah, yeah
0: that's kind of what it is. I think that that's a, a better your max value or you know there is uh it's that it's like a diminishing return at this point, right so you're coming down to the bottom side of that bell-shaped curve with this, and you're like wow. Well, I'm really not getting the same out of these hours, or there's something in my life that's pushing me really hard the other way, right? So we talked about having that infrastructure in place to have multiple things funneling in, into one another. Well, you hit your, um, and, and this isn't always realistic, right? Because it's in the middle of your season, let's say, for the podcast, and you hit a wall. Well, you can't really stop as much, um, but what you could do is maybe for a week, just try and forget it because you have some extra you know, in the pipeline, and maybe that's a week sprint on... I don't know, making your course work better or how can you improve your doing some A-B testing or, or, or something like that or even just writing. You know, maybe you're just going to take a week to, to write every day, um, double down what you're doing to work on that skill. So
2: mm-hmm. That's a
0: good
2: point. Um, yeah, no, I, I'm, I'm kind of caught up on the emotional breaking point being a thing because I hadn't thought about that before. Yeah. I, just, I, I would just say your, your manifesto
1: like moment and yeah. your last job was a... The hell, a yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't even think about that. That would have been, but we've gone into that another. In yeah,
2: <laughs> yeah. my, my uh, nearly having a Jerry Maguire moment at my last job. <laughs> that was a, definitely a breaking point.
0: That'll do, yeah.
2: <laughs> All right, uh, so we need to wrap up. Before we do, uh, Jonathan, where can, or well, I guess, tell our listeners
0: about yourself, what you're working on, and where they can find you. I mean, based on when this comes out, that's probably going to change now. Um, so I, uh, <laughs> I have a little site myself. It uh, matches my appearance. It's dudewiththehair.com. Um, You could find out some different information about me, a couple of the projects that I'm working on. Uh, aside from that, I work for uh, a creative agency based out of the Philadelphia area called Green Lane Search. I have a neat bio profile there with some fun information about myself. So, If, if you just Google my name, that's probably the two big things. Twitter would be the number three spot. I'm pretty active on there. Uh, it's J-O-N-K-N-E-P, uh, John Nepp, just short for Jonathan Nepper.
2: That's how we met, right? <laughs> yeah, right? You tweeted us. Uh, that, that was the start of...
0: Yeah, actually, yeah. Initially, I, you know what it was too. You, you want to talk about? Um, and maybe this isn't one of those moments, but um, baseline going up. I thought it was really baller status uh, when uh, Srini called you guys out in his podcast, or excuse me, in his um, email, like his Sunday email series. Mm-hmm. That's originally how I found you. And it was like a week when I was going to be traveling uh, for some client meetings and stuff. So it was like the most ideal timing because I'd be in the car for like four or five hours and. Huh. I cranked (laughs) some of your stuff, and it was really good. And I especially love when interviewers get interviewed. And um, your interview with Shrini was just, like, spot on. So drop that in the show notes because anybody who hasn't listened to that really should.
2: Yeah. Sweet. We'll do that. (laughs) Uh, Can you also do your – what's his name? Dr. Claw impression from Inspector Gadget. (laughs) (laughs) On the spot? I'll get you next time, Gadget. (laughs) (laughs) And are you, like – are you – petting your mouse as as a cat. No, I know, but I'm saying his mouse, his computer mouse. Oh, yeah, yeah, (laughs) yeah. While he's doing that, he's petting his computer mouse. Um, All right, so now to close this out, we'll go one by one and give our answer to the topic question. Uh, John, we'll close with you. So, Martin, first off, how do you manage your breaking point?
1: I think you manage your breaking point by making sure that the many activities that you do, because we all do lots of things, um, relate to each other in some way, um, or at least don't detract from each other so starkly that you have to like turn off part of your brain to go do something else. So I, I like the idea of keeping kind of a forward focus, a north star that all the things you're doing kind of work up into, even if it's like a near rhyme. Uh, <laughs> so So when one thing is is ramping up, uh, you know you can channel your energy there and not feel like it's taking away from the other parts of your life.
2: How do you manage your breaking points? My answer to this... Actually, one of the things, John, you said about um, like different save points. What that triggered in my mind when you said that was start thinking about this like a video game. You know yeah. what, what the biggest advances from like Nintendo to Super Nintendo was? You remember like Super Nintendo came out with Super Mario All-Stars when you bought the system and it was just <laughs> Mario 1, 2, and 3, but now... The graphics were slightly better. Mm-hmm. But you had the ability to save your progress in the Super Nintendo version. And like the most frustrating thing about playing Mario on regular Nintendo is if you turned off the system, you had to start back at level one. But That's why I've never turned my system on. Yeah, and that's what happened, right? Like Since ninety one. <laughs> <laughs> and I ruined a TV by doing that. Actually,
0: you've ruined 15 screens, but yeah. every time you've oh changed out the, the front of it, and it's 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 all good, and it never had to get turned off. <laughs> exactly, up. exactly. But but that's kind of like
2: the difference, or I guess Super Nintendo and everything after that is more what your you know your creative path or your life is like. Is once you start doing something, you get a save point. You get to save the game at at certain level, and then when you start the next thing you're starting at where you saved it from before instead of having to start from zero every time so I think that's how you manage your breaking points whether you call it a save point or whether you call it a new baseline it's just understanding that what you where you are today your starting point changes once you start doing something and it'll be at a higher point tomorrow so knowing that that will increase and work in your favor is how you manage breaking points. John, how do you manage breaking points or I guess? I put the inflection the wrong way. John. How, do you, how,
0: do ma- how do you manage breaking points? <laughs> how do you? Um, so, I think I, there's a couple of things, right? So, one of them is, uh, and we didn't really talk about this a lot, but I think part of it comes down to auditing yourself. What it is you want to accomplish, you know, what your goals are, all that kind of jazz. Um, part of it comes down to just being relentless about what you're doing and making sure you're pushing towards those goals, understanding that you're going to get um, stretched. And when you come out of the other side, your breaking point's gonna be stretched as a result, you know? Um geez, I think one of the really one of the biggest things is just giving a shit about what you do. <laughs> right? Because otherwise your breaking point is gonna be hella low and it's just it's you're just always gonna be broken. How about that? You're yeah. the bad girl running
1: the uh, CEO of Yelp. <laughs> yeah, did you hear about that? Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
2: That's a good point, though. We, yeah, we didn't, we didn't go into that so much, but you're right. If you don't care about it, then your breaking point is incredibly low because you have a low tolerance for resistance. Yeah,
0: yeah. Uh, and I think one last thing, and we kind of talked about this, a, uh, one of these other kind of points that we talked about a little bit too. It's very easy to miss those wins, and I think sometimes if you don't grant yourself either – the positive juju that comes from a win or that break, where you recharge your batteries by doing something, even if it's semi-related, like uh, improv, for example. I think if you don't, um, you know, grant yourself those wins, grant yourself those uh, breaks, you know, you're really doing negative damage to your breaking point. And I never really thought about this so much um, until we started talking about it. and It was one of the things that I jotted down as a note, but um, I. I find ways, and I want to get better at doing this, but I find ways where I almost surprise blast myself with gratitude. And I'll give you an example to, like, put that into, like, a real thing. Um, And this happens every Christmas. And this is, like, one of the big ones and what's fresh on my mind because Christmas is just a couple months back. But um, I keep, and my wife and I keep some ornaments from when, like, Christmas was especially shitty, the shittiest Christmas I ever had where it was just, like, broke, life was, you know, what it was. It was a struggle, you know? And that's something that's often forgotten about because it's been a long time since I was in that place. However, every year when I open up that tub and that Tupperware of Christmas ornaments, I always see that surprise container that's like these janky ornaments that we did with like um, the glitter glue stuff. So that way we could kill two birds. Eh, killing two birds. We made a project out <laughs> of And we made these ornaments. And, um, you know, one day I'll share that with my daughter, I guess. But, like, you know, that's um, – just trying to keep myself in check, celebrating those wins, realizing where I came from because gradual momentum isn't always as clear as those milestones because you're constantly working at it, you know?
2: That's really cool. I really like that. Um, I'm going to have to start thinking about what are the random momentos that I have. <laughs>
0: and it, I don't know. I'm trying to think through that too. So when you work through them, hook me up. Um, I've been thinking about how I can use that like my, my boomerang, right? In Gmail. I was just Send, thinking
1: like, about that, yeah.
0: So nice. All right, John
2: Nepper, dude with the hair. That's thank me. Thank you for being the dude with the sound
0: and the voice. <laughs> Thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it, and I appreciate you guys. Yeah, of course. This is fun.
2: That was our conversation with Jonathan Nepper. Jonathan, thank you for sharing some breakthrough conversation with us about nothing other than breaking points. Did you, the listener, enjoy this episode, our first episode of Season 4? If so, the best compliment you can give us is a rating and review on iTunes. Ratings and reviews help more people find the show, and we get to spread the Discover Your Inner Awesome message, meaning more people get to discover their inner awesome. Be sure to check out idealemon.com for full show notes for this episode and Jonathan's contact information. I'm excited for Season 4, excited to see who we get to talk to, and... Excited to find out what questions we get to explore. Now, some of those are uncertain right now, but one thing is for certain, and that is Season 4's theme. You'll be jamming out to this song you hear behind my voice right now. It is called My Bones, and it is by Tia Einerson, the lovely singer-songwriter. It is available on Spotify and iTunes off of her EP called Over Here. That's over here, like overhearing a conversation. Very similar to how this podcast is you overhearing the conversations we have with our guests. That ties a bow on this episode of Idea Lemons Discover Your Inner Awesome podcast. Thank you for listening. Thank you again to Jonathan Nepper for joining us. For Martin McGovern, I am Rajiv Nathan. We'll catch you next time. But in the meantime, take care and be awesome today.
0: Seeing that I'm from this East Coast, i got to rep my Tasty Cake. We're talking this Tasty Cake mouse that's just what? glorious. What? <laughs> so um, as long as you don't hear that boy clicking off, then I think I'll be... Okay. I think I'll be...